This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp, noting that sometimes you just got to go old school. This is my fourth session, and this is the first handwritten amendment I've ever seen. So uh, congratulations on the guts to try. So thank you, Chair. That's Republican State Representative David Smith commenting on Democratic Representative Dottie Joseph's attempt to amend a bill that would require Florida professional sports teams receiving government assistance to play the U.S. national anthem before every home game. We'll tell you how that worked out in a moment. So what's the reaction in the immigrant community to the proposed crackdown on midnight migrants? So as far as what we know, the Office of Refugee and Resettlement has always had these operations but where they try to use the tarmac in airports during times where it's not so um, heavily trafficked. We'll talk to a representative from the Florida Immigrant Coalition a little later. But first, Governor Ron DeSantis handed out books to students in Crawfordsville as he announced that the state has distributed free books to 81,000 students as part of a childhood literacy initiative championed by House Speaker Chris Sprawls last session. But the governor also wanted to talk about COVID-19 treatments that are no longer being handed out. Early this morning, uh, thousands of Floridians woke up to news that their appointments to get treatment for COVID-19 infection uh, were canceled by the Biden administration, which revoked, outright revoked authorization for two very popular monoclonal antibody treatments that the state of Florida really pioneered over the summer and that we've worked hard to make available uh, to our residents uh, who needed treatment. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki called the governor's comment crazy. She says scientists now say the treatments do not work against Omicron. DeSantis says that's not good science. Now they are relying on revoking this and pulling the rug out from under people on a single non-peer-reviewed, non-clinical study that was actually done by a consultant for a rival company to the other two monoclonal antibody treatments. This is not based on a clinical trial. This is not even peer-reviewed. And DeSantis said he is going to fight back. First of all, we are going to uh, expose what this actually means for people. We have patients in Florida who have gotten these treatments over the last month and have had their symptoms resolved. Is there a lawsuit ahead? The governor said, we're going to look. By the way, House Speaker Sprawls was with the governor and met briefly with the media. He was asked if he thought the legislature needed to get moving on those redistricting maps and get them over to the Supreme Court for review. I don't think it's necessarily a a race. You know, I think we're going at a a reasonable clip. I think that, you know, some people are saying we're moving too fast. Some people are saying we're moving too slow. Probably means we're moving about just right. The Senate Judiciary Committee has approved a bill that would expand on a 2019 law that banned sanctuary cities. It would also crack down on flights to Florida cities bringing undocumented people. Governor DeSantis announced this program last month after criticizing President Joe Biden's immigration policies, including bringing flights to Jacksonville to relocate people who have entered the country illegally. 
Sunrise went to the immigration rights community looking for their reaction. We talked with Melissa Tavares of the Florida Immigrant Coalition and got her reaction to the progress of Senate Bill 1808. My reaction to what the bill tries to do is really that we understand that it's a bill intended to really speak to a particular base. It's the governor's intent to prioritize his political and presidential aspirations over the well-being of Floridians. Right now, it's proven, and we've seen the data, the majority of Floridians are concerned about housing. They're concerned about how they're going to pay for the rent this month. They're concerned about how they're going to get to the other side of the pandemic. These, These fabricated issues around immigrants aren't what's affecting Floridians. So uh, um, unfortunately, we have a governor, we have a, um, let's, a, a group of legislators at the state level that really aren't looking at what really are, are the issues impacting Floridians. And they're trying to just dis- deflect and detract people from the issues that are really affecting them. So what is not real in what the governor is trying to address here. Let's start with uh, sanctuary cities. What that provision does is that it would require law enforcement to collaborate with federal official, officials. That has We've already seen reports, we've already seen studies saying that it's costly to taxpayers. We saw a similar program rolled out in Miami-Dade County. Miami-Dade County was actually the first county in the nation to voluntarily have this operational sort of agreement between local law enforcement and federal government. And we found that it was extraordinarily costly for Miami-Dade taxpayers, costing upwards of $200 per day. The reality is that these systems have always been in play where immigration, federal immigration authorities are able to execute their jobs, they're able to do what it is that they have to do without having to erode the powers of local municipalities and local governments. So really, it's it's kind of um, a, it's it's kind of difficult for me to tie my head around it because we understand that there are so many legislators privy to the issue regarding really just being aware of not eroding local powers. So that's pretty much what that does in essence, and it. It's creating a, a tax burden on Floridians. It could, I, sh- I should say, potentially create a tax burden on Floridians. And again, these are not the issues Floridians care about. We haven't seen the housing crisis getting addressed in the Florida legislature. We haven't seen really any plans to substantially really get us to the other side of the pandemic with the supply chain issues we're seeing, we're all, with all the economic issues we're seeing. And these are not the issues Floridians care about. So again, what we're trying to do is get to a point where we're landing on what are the people's priorities. And it has nothing to do with immigration. The fact is, what we need right now is to count on our immigrant populations, especially now where we understand we have a labor shortage. If it weren't for our essential immigrant community, our essential workers in our immigrant communities, we would not be where we are. We have immigrant communities hospitalizing, or excuse me, sanitizing our hospitals. They literally are taking care of our elderly. They are working as doctors and nurses. So right now is not the moment to disrupt the very force that's getting us to the other side of the pandemic. So again, what this bill does is nothing else than advance a political narrative and 
I, I really do think that Floridians are privy to that because they're seeing themselves the issues that they're having at home. And it has nothing to do with immigrate, immigrants or immigration. What about these uh, midnight flights of undocumented people uh, to, say, Jacksonville? What's your reaction to the governor really targeting that? So as far as what we know, the Office of Refugee and Resettlement has always had these operations but where they try to use the tarmac in airports during times where it's not so um, heavily trafficked. So this has been operating for years, including during moments when they would transport refugees, for example, Peter Pan refugees from Cuba into Miami and then transport them into different states across the United States in an effort to find them temporary homes and shelters. I mean, we're talking, we were talking about unaccompanied minors. So minors. So this program, as far as we know, has been happening through the Office of Refugee and Resettlement for many years including, you know, in a time when we were supporting Cuban refugees, Peter Pan um, refugees. But again, this does not, this comes from the Office of Refugee and Resettlement. It does not create a, a financial burden on the state. And that's where the governor, again, is trying to confuse Floridians, because the fact is these, the, this, these, this, these costs come from the Office of um, refugee and resettlement, which means that they're federal dollars, not state ones. So that has been happening, but as far as what we know, it's been happening for years in an attempt to use airport space when it's not as trafficked during the day. And these flights are carrying uh, sometimes uh, younger people who are being sent to uh, different locations or maybe uh, hooking up with a sponsor family somewhere. That I wouldn't know. Again, I don't have these specifics on flights. I don't have these. I don't have the information in front of me, so I wouldn't be able to speak to that. The important thing is that we understand that the movement of refugees has been happening for years in our country, particularly in the 1960s and 1970s, again, under Operation Peter Pan. And the reason why I keep going back to this is so that we understand that what this bill would potentially do or could have potentially done in the 1960s and 70s was penalized the priests and nuns taking care of unaccompanied little kids who were uh, having to forcefully come to the United States because their parents were trying to protect them from um, a, a, a state that was literally trying to take custody away from them. So we now fast forward so many years later, now we have parents who are actually dealing with situations where their kids could be potentially killed and they're still having to, um, you know, desperately try to flee these environments. So we have to speak to a, a greater situation that's happening here, um, something that's, that's larger. And it's the fact that refugees is, have always moved through our country. It's allowed by both the U.S. Constitution and international law to allow folks to seek asylum at legal ports of entry in the United States. It's a refugee program that we've had throughout our history, our country, um, other than the indigenous communities that have already been here and the African-American communities that were forced to come have really 
it has, has, has been built by immigrants. So it's we're, we're speaking to a larger story here, if that makes sense. The bill got through a Senate committee. Um, it's one of the priorities of the governor. I would say, based on the political makeup of the state legislature, that there is a good chance that this will pass. What would be your plan if it does? Well, um, as the attorneys that we work with are still combing through the bill. But most likely than not, we might have to go to um, some sort of legal action, similarly to what we did with SB 168. The, um, many organizations filed a lawsuit against the state um, over SB 168, and we even saw that Judge Bloom, in her remarks, cited that this bill seemed to be racist. So, most likely, two things: we there may be um, some consideration for some type of a legal action, and then secondly, of course. We will continue our advocacy work to continue to educate our communities, to continue to advance the proposition that we need a permanency, a pathway to citizenship for our communities, and which is the work that we've, we're going to do um, um, until we're able to attain that. Melissa Tavares of the Florida Immigrant Coalition, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. The Senate Health Policy Committee will hold a hearing on the confirmation of State Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo, who serves as Secretary of the Florida Department of Health. The Senate Health and Human Services Appropriations Subcommittee will hold a panel discussion about nursing shortages. The panel will include representatives of the independent colleges and universities of Florida, the state university system, the Florida College System, and the Florida Hospital Association. The Senate Education Appropriations Subcommittee will consider a proposal that would replace the current standardized testing system for public schools with what is described as a progress monitoring program. The Senate Agriculture, Environment, and General Government Appropriations Subcommittee will take up a bill that would provide $20 million a year to help protect the headwaters of several waterways in central Florida. The bill would help carry out a 2017 law known as the Heartland Headwaters Protection and Sustainability Act, which was designed to protect the headwaters of six Florida rivers. The Senate Governmental Oversight and Accountability Committee will take up a proposal that would create a public records exemption for the names of people who win lottery prizes of $250,000 or more. The exemption would last for 90 days, with the clock running from the time prizes are claimed. The Senate Agriculture Committee will consider a bill that would create a pilot program to provide incentives to agriculture businesses to contribute fresh fruit and vegetables to food distribution organizations. The Senate Transportation, Tourism, and Economic Development Appropriations Subcommittee will consider a bill that would update state laws to address the United States Space Force. The House Judiciary Committee, House Education and Employment Committee, House State Affairs Committee, and House Redistricting Committee all have meetings scheduled for today. The State University System's Board of Governors will meet today. Among other things, the board will get updates on presidential searches at the University of Florida, the University of North Florida, and the University of South Florida. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission's Harmful Algae Bloom Task Force will meet this morning. 
And Florida Transportation Commission member Rusty Roberts will speak to the Flagler Tiger Bay Club today. And finally, professional sports teams that accept public dollars would be required to play the national anthem before every game under a measure approved by the House Local Administration and Veterans Affairs Subcommittee. But not before an unusual move. Democratic Representative Dottie Joseph submitted a handwritten amendment to the measure. Republican Rep. David Smith said he's never seen a handwritten amendment, to which Smith commented, I'm glad it's your first. Um, You never forget your first. Joking aside, Joseph said she penned her amendment, we assume she used a pen, to call attention to what she sees as serious constitutional issues with the National Anthem Bill. This is amendment just recognizing the supremacy of the United States Constitution, which is interesting that I even have to say this, but um, it provides for written verification that the professional sports team retain the freedoms to allow their players, franchise leadership and fans to exercise their First Amendment right under the United States Constitution, including the right to protest during the national anthem, whether that means not participating or not playing it, taking a knee or any other way they seek to peacefully protest as protected by the First Amendment. That is the amendment, Madam Chair. The Anthem Bill's sponsor, Sarasota Republican Representative Tommy Gregory, argued the bill's an issue of contract law and not the First Amendment. It passed out of the subcommittee by a vote of 12 to 4. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Cobb. Join us again tomorrow as we do another daily dive into Florida politics.